Looks like the fight's coming to you. Snap out of it, buddy. I need you. Oh, man, you can have your suit back. Iron Man 2. Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to exit the donut. This film is not yet rated. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and welcome to this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly geeky podcast about Star Trek, uh, science fiction, fantasy, and other geeky topics related to the world of entertainment and media. Wow. Why did I go all that way? <laughs> As uh, always, starting these shows, I'm always a little goofy and a little uh, whatever. So, uh, But today is May the 2nd. Wow, it is May now, and it is a sunny day here in Illinois where I'm recording. It is May 2nd, 2010, like I said, and this will be podcast 277. Today, we're going to do something quite a bit different, I think, and I, I was... Um, as I was getting ready for today's podcast, I was wondering if I bit off a little more than I could chew, but I am going to look at the kind of cult classic film uh, from 2001 called Donnie Darko. This, it's really going to be a trick to, to cover this and give it and do it justice and, and also hopefully get people interested who may not have seen it to to, uh, to give it a shot. But I will do the best that I can. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that more on today's show. Uh, you know, we'll talk about some other things, Trek news and, and, and the usual subjects. All um, coming up here on Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Welcome to the show once again, everyone. And, uh, you know, I, I've said many times, uh, you know, how much I, I enjoy doing the podcast and, and kind of look forward each weekend to doing it, even even into though it does take a lot of uh, work and time. But that, you know, that's just that's just a little piece of the whole thing. I get a lot of pleasure out of it. And it's especially lately been very fun to do uh, being here in another state kind of all by myself. <laughs> So, but I am heading home back to Michigan next weekend. My oldest son, Stephen, hello, are you listening? Probably not. But he is going to be graduating from college. I can't believe my oldest uh, is going to be graduating from college, but yes, he is. And, uh, well, we had children when we were very young, let's just say. So, anyway, next weekend I'll be home, and uh, we're going to also next weekend have a guest cast, Jedi Jeff, Jeff is going to look at uh, the Irwin Allen series, The Time Tunnel, next weekend. So that'll free me up to have uh, some time at home and not have to worry about the podcast or anything like that. So uh, I usually save that till the end of the show, but I guess I'll slide it in here and say it now. So if you have any comments uh, related to The Time Tunnel, please email those. You can email them to me, treksf at gmail dot com and i can send them on to jeff uh, and make sure he has those i know he's gotten started uh, working on his uh, cast so that'll be good 
The um, other things I was just, you know, I think I talked about this on last weekend's show just a little bit. I, I've, I'm continuing my search or have, or are, are, are not are, what am I, a pirate? <laughs> I have been continuing to search for a new apartment and also been going around test driving vehicles, uh, both kind of some big things happening for me in the next couple of months. The the primary one is is the apartment situation. Within the next two to three weeks, I'd like to be moved out of here uh, at this rental house uh, from my relatives and, and into a place. There's a couple of them that I've seen that are possible. Had a real, um, not a great experience visiting a place yesterday. The guy was just very odd, let's just say. The place wasn't too bad. It was a little further away than I wanted to be. But he just seemed like I was almost bothering him. At first when I got there, he didn't even want to show me the place because it wasn't quite ready. And, you know, he hadn't even called me ahead of time. We had set it up uh, on Friday, and I went out there on Saturday. And, and I get out there, and he's like, oh, you can't see it. And I'm like, well, I kind of basically pushed my way in anyway. I said, well, really? It's okay. I, I'll look. But he was just an odd guy. And I've, I continue to find that who I am seeing these apartments with, the people that I'm dealing with and that is a big part of the situation and my comfort level and, and what the kind of place is that I want. I mean, of course, the place is important too, but, you know, there's just a lot of people out there that really don't know how to deal with other people. <laughs> and you'd think these people are the ones sort of representing whether it's a, just a one-house situation where they're renting rooms out in it uh, that they've uh, done or they, they, it's a whole apartment complex. This was um, Yesterday was kind of an, a mini apartment complex, we'll call it. Uh, I've seen a, a couple that have been in large apartment complexes, you know, with many, many units. And I, I'm just totally, I, I hate to sound like a teenager girl or boy, maybe even, but I, I'm like totally, you know, not impressed with these people. <laughs> I mean, I don't expect them to be, you know, Wall Street, you know, maybe that's not even the right way to put it, but I don't expect them to be top top end executives, you know, all polished and, and, you know, all spit and polished and everything all going and every, but it, I don't know. It's just, it, they're just strange and maybe it's me. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's not me. No, but uh, I, and I, I shouldn't really blow a lot of time on the podcast. I've got a lot to cover with Donnie Darko today, but let's just suffice it to say that uh, I think these people could, le- could learn a little bit about dealing with people uh, that wouldn't be too difficult and just be a little pleasant, maybe smile, you know, at, you know, ask questions of, of the, of me, you know, visiting the place, just be a little more cheerful even would be okay. I, I, I know sometimes these days it's hard to do for people, but you know, I'm, I'm a possible, you know, you know, renter for them that's going to give them some money. So you would think, for the, the 10, 15, 20 minutes, even maybe up to a half hour that I'm visiting with them and seeing the place is probably, on average, I've been spending 10 or 15 minutes. You'd think they'd be happy to see me. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's just weird. I mean, I get that same thing even when you go to a store these days. It just, uh, and I think I've mentioned that before on the podcast. So enough about that, but the search continues and maybe by the next time I podcast, because it'll be a two week uh, lag time here, uh, next weekend, next time I'll be talking to you is the 15th, 16th, which right now we're scheduled to do a Skype show. I'm hoping I don't need to alter the schedule. I'm kind of targeting, I think, the weekend of the 22nd to move. Uh, so hopefully that will be the case. But anyway, uh, so, you know, if you're really interested, I, I've been putting updates on the forum. So go over to treksinsci and join the forum and learn all about what Rico's doing and 
terms of this apartment search and, and car thing. Oh, I went and drove a Honda Insight yesterday, which is a hybrid. First time I've ever driven a hybrid vehicle. Anyone out there who may know much about the Honda Insight and can, can provide me with uh, Insight or other hybrids. It's, it's a very weird feeling. You know, you go to a you drive one of these things, you go to a stoplight, a uh, red light or a stop sign, and the car basically shuts off. And then when you push the gas again to go, it, it, it starts back up again. And there there is, with the Honda Insight, I definitely could feel that, you know, you, you could feel it shudder slightly, you know, when it would shut off and when it would start back up again. And it wasn't huge, and I, and I suppose you'd get used to it, but it was a little... I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me for some reason. It's a it's a cool little car. The price isn't bad for it. It gets you know amazing mileage, like into the 40s miles per gallon uh, on the highway and in the city. I'm still kind of amazed it does such a good job on the highway, considering you're going to be using gas that whole time. But I guess the engine. I mean, it's a little four cylinder engine. It's a, it's a pretty pretty small engine in that car. It's not a big car or anything. It's got a hatchback, so there's some pretty good storage in the back. And it's it, it's not a bad ride. It drives pretty well and all that, but just, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, they, they also said that they warranty the batteries that are in there for like eight years, so I don't, uh, you know, maybe you wouldn't really have to worry about that. So I don't know. I'm I don't think it's going to happen for me. I don't think I'm real comfortable with a hybrid yet, but I, I want to try just about anything that I can out there right now because a car is a new, a big purchase, although I'm still really inclined to keep my uh, current ride. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's take a short break, and I'll be back with some actual geeky topics in sci-fi and Trek news. Meet Little Bit. Hello. She's a mechanical rat. What did you just call me? I'm a gerbot, thank you very much. I can't believe this guy. I agree to an interview and get insulted for my trouble. <clears throat> She's a gerbot. A robotic gerbil designed to be the perfect pet. Little Bit. I'm not a rat, and I don't want to belong to this boy anymore either. Oh, that's Denny. He's Little Bit's little master. Being his pet is boring. And he's annoying. This kid is always stuffing me into one of his smelly little pockets. Yeah, right. It's true! To top it off, I just realized last night that my exercise wheel doesn't actually go anywhere. And nobody on this spaceship can understand a single word I say. Aw, she's so cute when she chitters. Good little gerbot. Quit patting my head! <sighs> Gerbots are so adorable. Oh, uh, where was I? Join us as we follow Little Bit's journey aboard the Wisher's Wish in the short story, Little Bit of Trouble, written by the Anomaly podcast, Jan Rhodes. Hey, Mr. Brilliant, did you hear me? I just said this wheel doesn't actually go anywhere. How can anyone journey in this thing? Watch, I'll show you. Running, running, running. Keep these feet on running, Gerbot. See, the wheel is moving, but I'm still in this stupid cage. Hmm, I wonder if it would go anywhere if I ran faster. Yeah! 
I promise, it's a wild ride. <laughs> you call this exercise wheel a ride? Sure, it's shiny chrome, but it's still pretty lame. Remember, it doesn't go anywhere. I don't even have a horn. It's packed full of space pirates, mean big sisters, bratty little brothers. What? what? Space pirates? Where? Action, adventure, and suspense. This wheel can do all that? Cool! Fast your feet! Move faster! Little bit of trouble. It's a robot love and space adventure for kids of all ages. Don't miss it. Coming soon to the Martians Are Here podcast. Well, we've got a few uh, Star Trek uh, topics and subjects to talk about. Uh, one, I guess there was a rumor floating around. Uh, this is related to um, Tim Russ for some reason, although he is not the one that created it, but somebody... It was a rumor on the internet, basically, that was saying there was going to be a new Star Trek Voyager movie. There was going to be a Star Trek Voyager movie, which, you know, anyone who's really tuned into Trek these days knows there's going to be another J.J. Abrams uh, run production of another Trek film, you know, a sequel to basically last year's big hit. And uh, so Tim Russ really wasn't involved in this, but somebody kind of used his name, it seems like, and was throwing this. You know, it's, it, it, the Internet is, is great and, and a lot of fun, and, and you can learn a lot of things, but you really have to be careful. And, I, again, who, this this is really a non-story. I mean, I don't think many people that know Trek would really have swallowed this one, but just thought I would mention it. Uh, another thing related to Trek and gaming is the Star Trek online game has uh, started to uh, throw out some, you know, kind of some candy and some offers for people both to join the game for the first time and for people who may have already stopped playing to come back. There's going to be a big weekend, uh, they're calling it Star Trek Online Win Back Weekend, uh, which is going to be going on next weekend from, I think it's the, the 7th of May to like May 10th. You can get rewards if you're, you know, a returning player, uh, first-time players, I think, get some benefits, too. It, there, there's a big story over on trekmovie.com about this. I'll try to post a link in the podcast notes. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that you can actually play and buy this game a lot less. Uh, well, it's, it's dropped in price quite a bit. The basic edition of the game, uh, you can get over at Amazon for around $25 right now, and that also gives you a month of playtime because, you know, the this is an MMO, and it costs about 15 a month to play. So you can play a whole month. Uh, with the game because you get a free month, I think, when you first uh, buy it for about $25, which is a great deal. And even the collector's edition can be bought now for about 50 unlike the, I think it was around 70 75 when it first came out. So um, it's it's a great time to give it a shot. And they've added a lot of content. I haven't had a chance to play it lately very much, uh, but they've added a lot of additional content and they're continuing to add more and I think the game still has, has a lot of to offer, a lot of potential. I think there are a few things they still need to work on. But, you know, that is has been true with just about any MMO that's ever come out the early months. I mean, it only has been out now three months about since February. So let's see, March, April, May, yeah, about three months. And I think it's in pretty good shape for that amount of time. So check out Star Trek Online. Again, you can find all those details online. <laughs> 
And what else did I want to mention? It looks like Leonard Nimoy was at a convention uh, down in, I think it's Texas recently. Uh, or, or where was it? No, no, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Texas. He, he visited... Um, there's a Vulcan uh, and Calgary uh, celebration that goes on, and he was up there at the Calgary uh, Comic and Entertainment Expo. So it's sort of like, uh, the, I guess, the Calgary's answer to Comic-Con that uh, happened not too long ago. And uh, another story, oh yeah, the, you know, the projected date uh, for the next Star Trek film is supposed to be, I think, the last weekend of June in uh 2012 we're still about two years away uh, unfortunately you know if they're gonna go with a three-year gap here between films uh, a lot of it has to do with scheduling i think that's the biggest reason that they're more than excited and want to do this film but uh, the comment that i wanted to make about this is the next batman film will be coming out just a few weekends like three weekends after the next uh, Star Trek uh, sequel. And I, I don't really find that that's a big deal. I mean, it would be different if it was coming out on the same weekend or, or just the following weekend. But, you know, three weekends away for the summertime is, is a pretty big lag. And who knows what else will be scheduled into those weekends anyway uh, before we get there. The other thing, too, there's another story floating around. And this one actually, I, I don't consider this one a complete rumor. There's talks that J.J. Abrams is going to direct... A, uh, a movie that's spo supposed to be a throwback to the movies of like the 70s and the 80s that uh, Steven Spielberg worked on in that era. Things like, uh, I'm not saying it, it, the story or the script or, you know, the essence of the movie is going to be like these, but, you know, a little less uh, big budget, you know, razzmatazz kind of a film like uh, has been going on like with the Avatars and even last year's Star Trek. Much more low budget, you know, something maybe around $25, $30 million. Something a little more oriented towards kids and teenagers, I think. You know, the, think of movies like The Goonies and E.T. even, you know, those kind of things. Uh, I, I think it would be a great idea. We don't get those kind of movies that much anymore. You know, everything has to be just this huge event situation. And, you know, to get a movie in that uh, cost range and, and just with a cool story, a fun story, and and, and, and a good cast and, and everything, I think uh, would be a great idea. You know, it's it gets a little tiresome that every movie that comes out seems to have to be this this huge event. And I think it's also rather dangerous, you know, for these companies to continue to, you know, you, there's only so many avatars that can come out that can be, you know, spend a lot of money on the movie and then make a, a lot of money as well. So I, I think it's a fantastic idea. I'd love to see more of those kinds of films be put out anyway. Uh, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And it looks like that that might happen. I mean, again, it's still nothing completely official. Uh, but uh, he does, I guess, have a little window of time here before he would have to really heavily work on Trek, and uh, and it's still undetermined whether he J.J. Abrams is actually going to direct the next Star Trek movie. I'm probably okay either way. I think if he directed it, that's fine, but I, there's there's a lot of good, solid directors out there that I'm sure that he could find one that do a, you know, do a good job, and I, I think that would be fine as well, especially if they go you know, deeper into the characters and that. I think J.J. is good with characters and that, as well he's really shown that on the tv series that he's worked on so I, i'd be fine in any case so that's it for the trek stories i'm going to be back uh after one more break and i think it's time to get into donnie darko hi this is rick moyer and this is amy moyer and we are the hosts of 
Take him with you. The weekly podcast where we discuss life at the geeky Moyers home, and then we talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. Very, very positive podcast, and we think you really enjoy it. And I love Star Trek and heavy metal music. And I like Star Trek. Kinda. And heavy metal music. And I hate heavy metal music. <laughs> hate is a strong word. Oh, well, you got to understand, when you're recording... Give in to your hate, Amy. When you're recording and you go over and over those loud, obnoxious riffs, you know, I mm-hmm. do not like the loud guitar. You're talking about the parody songs that I do right here on Treks and Sci-Fi. Some of them I like. Give in to your hate. You've done some big band songs and some soft songs that I've liked. Yeah, well, anyway. Yeah, I just don't really like the heavy metal. Want to hear more of our banter? You can by listening to our podcast. Where can they find it? You can find it at TakeHimWithYou.com or iTunes. That's right, iTunes. Yes. So you can tune in. and. But I do like some sci-fi. Amy, I'm your husband. I like Star Trek, and I like like Babylon Five. And Make it so. Some different. Sci-fi. We're going too long now. Let's. We're too long. Go okay. away. Thank you, Rico, for all that you do. We love Treks and Sci-Fi, and hopefully, people come over and take a listen to our podcast. Take him with you. It is your destiny. Do or don't do. Don't try. <laughs> don't try to quote Yoda when you can. <laughs> I can't. Mm, quote him. You cannot. I can't talk like Grover very well. Grover? It's Yoda. (laughs) Okay, uh, it's time now to tackle uh, probably, uh, I have to admit, after doing all of these uh, podcasts over the years, you know, going on, you know, five years of Treks in Sci-Fi, this may be one of the trickiest, most difficult ones to cover, but, you know, I I decided to do it for for a number of reasons. Anyway, we're going to talk about... uh, that as I go, the the subject being the uh, amazing, crazy, wild, uh, very difficult to to talk about even movie uh, Donnie Darko. This movie is uh, was first released back in two thousand and one, uh, and it is written by uh, a guy named Richard Kelly. This is kind of his feature film debut, and it, it's in, in a nutshell. This this is just a crazy ride of a movie. Uh, let me give you some background before we get into uh, the clips and, and talk some more about the details of the film itself. You know, it's basically, a, you know, in a way, a science fiction film, so that's why it fits into the the category for treks and sci-fi. But the, there's a lot more to it than that, and you know, it's stuff that I've been wanting to cover. And I want to say though, from the very beginning, uh, before we get into this uh, deeply. Uh, a couple of things. One, uh, this movie is is fairly uh, strong, I guess is, is the way to put it. It's rated R. It is, although the clips that I'm going to play, I think are pretty clean for the most part. But I, I wanted to say that from the outset, uh, I, I think most of my discussion is going to be fairly straightforward and and that. And but I I do know there are sometimes people who play these podcasts with maybe little kids around, so I am mentioning that now. You have been warned. <laughs> And uh, so no no bad emails, okay? All right, good. Uh, so it is rated R from 2001. There, It's basically for some language in the movie for the most part. And uh, like I said, the clips that I'm going to play are pretty pretty much all that's not there. I, I try to pick other areas of the film to, to uh, pull clips from. But there's a few little things, I think. 
Uh, okay, what else do we want to say to the, to begin with? It's it's just tricky to get into this to, to start. Oh, I guess the other big thing is too is is Donnie Darko to me is is a is just it's a cool movie. It's it's very interesting, very amazing, and you may not want to listen to these clips, my comments, and everything. And certainly later in the podcast, this is going to be true. There's really no way for for me to talk about this movie, especially towards the end, without spoiling it. And I know it's been out, you know, nine years or whatever, and it's been pretty successful on DVD. And they've got a director's cut out now too, which I watched again last night. So, you know, it's not like it just came out last week. But again, uh, uh, just a fair warning, if you want to kind of experience this for the first time and not hear Rico go on and on about it or hear clips from it, you have been warned also. So, rated R movie uh, and spoiler warning. <laughs> we get every all the, all the business out of the way now so I can talk about this cool movie. Anyway, uh, the uh, again, this movie was... Pretty much the project of a guy named Richard Kelly. He wrote it. He directed it. It was uh, he. You know, he had this inspiration for this film, and and it's his baby. His, uh, you know, big start in in movies really. And he he's done a few things, which I'll talk about later on the show, after this. But it, it, it to me, it's it's an amazing film, and, and I'm sure he made. And I don't know all the details of his background, and if he went to film school, I'm sure he did other things before this. But this is his big kind of you know, feature film. It was only made, though, the, um, it was going to first go to direct-to-video, but it only had a budget of about four and a half million dollars. It was filmed over the course of uh, 28 days, and it eventually only made, in its theatrical release, only like 4.1 million worldwide. So this is by no means a, a big, big successful movie or a big, big budget movie. It is a, the the perfect definition really of a cult classic because since it came out on dvd and eventually they released a two disc uh director's cut version that i mentioned earlier it has slowly become you know uh, you know something that is referenced and used in film classes and film schools uh big big you know people that are into movies you know really study this thing i've watched it several times it is it is not an easy movie by any means, but I don't think that makes it any less enjoyable. I don't want to scare anyone off or anything like that, but it, it is a deep movie, but I think the essence of it that you see uh, when you watch it and when you think about it, and it may take you a couple times of watching it to really kind of, you know, kind of get to the, into the Darko groove of what it's all about, uh, but it is... It, it, to me, this this is a kind of a movie that, that there needs to be also more of, just like lower-budget films and things like that. It, it's not just all there laid out, laid out for you in this movie. There, you have to think about it a little bit, and I think that's what makes it uh, even more amazing, more great. And it, it's, it's the kind of movie that people, again, I think will be talking about and watching for a long, long time to come. And it won't be just, you know, some movie that people watch. They stick it back in their Netflix envelope and they never think about it again. This is the kind of movie that people say, hey, you know, if you want a really cool movie to see that you may not have ever watched, go watch Donnie Darko. This, that's what I say a lot. You know, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, hey, you know, I'm getting tired of Netflix or I can't figure out what to watch next. You know, I'm kind of bored with all the, all this stuff that I've been watching, romantic comedies and James Cameron's latest movie, and nothing against that stuff, 
but it, 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 this just is is so different than in most other movies out there uh it 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 just kind of defies my ability to talk about it in description and trust me i can talk really easily about a lot of stuff so um but I don't want to ramble too much here at the beginning because I have a lot of clips that I want to play for you. So let's start off into the movie and uh, give you a clip. Uh, and then I will come back to try to give you an idea of what's going on with the story and, and the basics of the movie. But I think I'm going to play a clip first. So here we go. Excuse me. Donnie, you're such a dick. <laughs> Whoa, Elizabeth. A little hostile there. Maybe you should be the one in therapy, then mom and dad can pay someone $200 an hour to listen to all your thoughts, so we don't have to. Okay. You want to tell mom and dad why you stopped taking your medication? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, that uh, that's a little bit of a dinner scene there early in the movie, which gives you a feel for the character of Donnie Darko, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and his uh, sister is uh, there. His real-life sister is also in the movie. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal plays his sister in the movie Donnie Darko as well, which was, I, I have to say that, that Richard Kelly did a great job at casting this movie. The the actors that he got just, just fit the roles really well. Uh, and and Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal especially, I think, just is is so good in this movie and i don't i'm not sure what his age is at this point in his career this would have been about 10 years ago so i, I would say he's probably around 20-ish here give or take a year or two uh, i think uh but I'll, I'll check that out maybe after a while i'm playing the next clip but he he really has to carry this movie quite a bit and he does a great job with that and uh, i think uh looking back i think this was probably his you know first fairly big movie and and i think this is also a movie that people who know him as an actor they probably have have seen this and, and gone you know to watch John watch his performance here because he's got a lot to work with and and difficult material to work with too so Donnie Darko is basically a, a teenager uh going to school and, and you know he, he goes to this private school with his his uh his sister and he he's kind of messed up basically but like many teenagers he has the same kinds of you know, emotional issues and struggles and, and school and friends and fitting in and girls and all that, that that basically every teenage boy goes through anyway. Uh, but with a few other exceptions, he, he's he's had some some problems. He's in therapy, which you hear in that clip. And he, he really has tr troubles uh, both uh, dealing with, you know, sometimes dealing with authority figures in school and certain teachers and, and things like that. He has, he has a little trouble with that, and uh, more so than, I guess, maybe your average uh, theater. I also have to mention, before we get into it more, that his therapist is played by uh, Catherine Ross. You know, Catherine Ross from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, just, you know, a great actress and... Uh, uh, like I said, the uh, the cast of this movie is is just fantastic, and uh, the uh, I wanted to say the director's commentary that goes on that if you get the director's cut, and I'm going to play a bit of that way towards the end. The uh, director Richard Kelly and Kevin Smith, who people know from Clerks and other movies, uh, they both do uh, a commentary audio auto, audio. <laughs> audio commentary track on the director's cut and it's really cool to hear these two directors kind of riff and go at it and talk about the movie and and what it means and you'll notice when you listen to that that Richard Kelly even doesn't 
completely have his mind made up about what all this movie is about and and the kind of the the essence of the story towards the end and I, I, I don't mean to be cryptic about any of that, but I, I have a few thoughts on it and that we'll be talking about later in uh, the cast about this movie. But just to, suffice it to say, he wrote this film and even, even the director-writer guy is, is he's trying to give you sort of, it, it's sort of like an artist. An artist will make a painting or a sculpture or something like that, but you've always heard it's, it's sort of a little bit in the eye of the beholder and what you interpret it as and he, this is exactly what he did as a filmmaker here he gives you a few options really of how to interpret the story and what it all means and I, and I think that's pretty cool that uh, he can craft and make a film that allows you to to have different sort of views and opinions on what happens so uh, let's play another clip Twenty days Six hours, 42 minutes, 12 seconds. That is when the world will end. Okay, in that clip, you you meet the, um, this, um, basically a bunny rabbit <laughs> he is named frank he is sort of a uh like a hallucination or almost maybe a figment of donnie darko's imagination it basically looks like a guy in a in a big rabbit costume with a weird kind of almost evil rabbit mask that he wears and he's got this very eerie voice and there he says to donnie that the world's going to end which is a little probably scary and a little strange for a uh teenage guy to to hear uh you know this this animated tall rabbit telling him this stuff and uh the 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 way they do the effects and the, and some of the images in this movie is, are are pretty amazing too and uh it is up in the the streaming player on the forum if you're a forum member you can check this out but you know if you really want to get the full effect of this movie you know definitely go out and purchase it, it, it it's well worth owning i think if you're a film fan at all or at least rent it off of uh, a place, Netflix or a local uh, video place. But so Frank is the, is this this rabbit thing that Donnie gets these uh, messages from throughout this movie, and he he appears at different points, and this all sort of comes together towards the end of the movie. But uh, Frank is a strange strange character. There would be headlines in the papers. Even the grown-up gangs who ran the betting at the all-in wrestling and the Barrow Boys would hear with respect of how old Misery's house had been destroyed. It was as though this plan had been with him all his life, pondered through the seasons, now in his 15th year, crystallized with the pain of puberty. What is Graham Greene trying to communicate with this passage? Why did the children break into Old Misery's house? Joni? They wanted to rob him. Joni, if you had actually read the short story, which had a whopping 13 <laughs> pages, would have kept you up all night, you would know that the children find a great deal of money in the mattress, but they burn it. Donnie Darko? 
Perhaps with your recent brush with mass destruction, you can give us your opinion. Well, they say it right when they flood the house and they tear it to shreds that, like, uh, destruction is a form of creation, so the fact that they burn the money is ironic. They just want to see what happens when they tear the world apart. They want to change things. May we help you? Yeah, I just registered and they put me in the wrong English class. You look like you belong here. Um, where do I sit? Sit next to the boy you think is the cutest. <gasps> Quiet! Oh my god. <laughs> Better choose. Joni, get up. Yeah, that clip is a scene in a classroom that uh, Donnie's teacher, English teacher, who's played by uh, Drew, Drew Barrymore in this movie, who Drew Barrymore was actually one of the executive producers on Donnie Darko 2. She has very good taste, I think. But anyway, she is Karen Pomeroy. She is Donnie's English teacher. And in that scene, uh, a new girl sort of shows up in class and in town, uh, the character of Gretchen, who eventually uh, becomes Donnie's girlfriend in the movie. And uh, she's played by Jenna Malone. And she, I think that's kind of a fun little scene there where Drew Barrymore says, you know, we'll pick a seat next to the guy you think is the cutest. You know, it, it, it's very cool because it's something probably most teachers wouldn't, do or put anyone on the spot, but Karen Pomeroy, the Drew Barrymore character, is, is a little uh, different for an English teacher. She tries to uh, really, you know, give these kids new things to think about. She has them read books and short stories that are not, they're not really all that uh, approved by the, and in, in the curriculum of this private school that they go to, and she gets in a little trouble for that too, so I, I like that scene quite a bit. I met a new friend. Real or imaginary? Imaginary. Would you like to talk about this friend? Frank. Frank. What did Frank say? He said to follow him. Follow him? Where? Into the future. And then what happens? And then he said... Then he said that the world was coming to an end. Do you think the world is coming to an end? No. That's stupid. Yeah, that's a uh, clip for uh, one of Donnie's uh, therapy sessions with his, his uh, therapist, uh, played by Catherine Ross. And you get a little insight into, into Donnie some more, of course, and you learn a little bit about what he thinks about Frank, this rabbit he's seeing, and all that, and you know, you one thing you have to keep in mind when you're watching Donnie Darko is, is just sort of roll with it. Don't uh, trust me. By the end of the movie, it will sort of come together, and all sort of. I know when I, I'm trying to think back when I watched this the first time, 
I kind of like, I was very intrigued as I was watching it, but I was like, you know, what the heck is going on? What is this all about? What does it all mean? And if you just sit there and just kind of soak it in and watch it, and again, by the end of the movie, it all kind of comes clear pretty much. I mean, there there are, you might be still scratching your head a little bit, but I, I will try to help uh, help with that a little as we go through the rest of today's podcast. So, why'd you move here? My parents got a divorce. My mom had to get a restraining order against my stepdad. He has emotional problems. Oh, I have those too. What kind of emotional problems does your dad have? He stabbed my mom four times in the chest. Oh. Did he go to jail? No, he fled. They still can't find him. But my mom and I had to change our names. And uh, I thought Gretchen Ross was really cool. Yeah, I was in jail once. I mean, I, I accidentally burned down this house. I mean, it was abandoned, but still, I, you know, got held back in school. And can't drive till I'm 21, you know. But I'm over all that. I, I, I'm painting and stuff, writing. I want to be a writer, or maybe a painter. I don't know. Maybe both. I'll write a book and draw the pictures. Then maybe people understand me. I don't know. Change things. Donnie Darko. What the hell kind of name is that? It's like some sort of superhero or something. What makes you think I'm not? Look, I should go. For physics, Montanoff is having me write this essay. The greatest invention ever to benefit mankind. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's Monotoff, but that's easy. Antiseptics. Like the whole sanitation thing, Joseph Lister, 1895. Before antiseptics, there was no sanitation, especially in medicine. You mean soap? Glad school was flooded today. Why is that? Because you and I never had this conversation. You're weird. Sorry. No, that was a compliment. Well, look, um, I, you want to go with me? <laughs> Where do you want to go? I mean, like, go with me, like, you know, like, that's what we call it here. Going together. Sure. Okay, hey, where are you going? I'm going home. And that, uh, that part of the movie there is when Donnie and Gretchen the girl that you know slowly becomes his girlfriend or not slowly actually pretty quick because he asks her there do you want to you want to go with me you know that's what we call it here and uh i like that for a few reasons it's a great uh, part of the movie there's a couple of bully kind of guys in the school always seem to be and they're kind of picking on picking on her and then she asks donnie to walk her home to get her kind of away from those guys and then they get taught talking and they both find out they're both kind of messed up her her father is this crazy guy and you know her mom and 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 gretchen have had to sort of escape and and run away to this little town to hide out and and donnie's this guy with you know mental issues and you know emotional problems too so it's you know they they're they're kind of both a little broken and they and they find each other 
And the simplest story or the simplest answer to what this movie's all about is this is what it's about. It's about a guy and a girl and, and them falling in love and what happens because of that. So, and, and I'll talk again, try to clear that out a little bit more towards the end. I'm trying to do this podcast as if I'm expecting that maybe many of you listening to this have not seen the movie. There's going to be people that have seen it, but even with the spoiler warning, I think there's going to be quite a few of you listening to this who maybe not have not seen Donnie Darko. So I'm trying to build it up a little bit so I don't reveal everything, at least what I think about this movie and what others have said until we get more towards the end of the podcast, at least to keep it as a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I don't think it'll be that bad, if, even if you've listened to this, to go back and watch the movie after. I, I don't think that'll hurt it at all, because may, maybe in a way it'll help. Who knows? So, next clip. Don't worry. You got away with it. I have in my hand Graham Greene's The Destructors. This short story is part of my daughter's English assignment. In this story, several children destroy an elderly man's house from inside out. How can you do that? And how do they do this? They flood the house by breaking through a water main. I can do anything I want. So can you. And I think that this garbage should be removed. Excuse me. What is the real issue here? The PTA doesn't ban books. The PTA is here to acknowledge that pornography is being taught in our curriculum. It's meant to be ironic. Excuse me, you need to go back to grad school. Why do you make me for the school? They are in great danger. Kitty, you even know who Graham Greene is? I think we have all seen Bonanza. <laughs> well, um... Well, we are on other topics. Where did you come from? Do you believe in time travel? Who are you talking to? Yeah, that that clip's a little strange and probably a little hard to handle. Uh, just listening to it, there's a, they split. He's Richard Kelly splits the scenes there between this PTA meeting where they're talking about uh, a few things. One of them is this book that uh, Drew Barrymore is, teach, uh, is teaching to her English students and this uh, other teacher that's very uh, rigid and, and doesn't think this book belongs in their curriculum and in their school. And then you flip back to Donnie at home dealing with Frank still. So it's, it's, it's a nice contrast, but it's, it's a little tricky when you're just listening to the audio of that, and uh, it's probably better to watch it. That was, it was one of the tricky parts about prepping and doing uh, and collecting clips for this podcast. Is 
there is a lot of this movie that is visual and doesn't really have dialogue. And there's there's also a ton of good music in this movie, a lot of really good music. And I, I urge you to, you know, grab the, the music, the soundtrack, listen to it. One thing, though, that I noticed, and it was a little disappointing, and I'll talk about this a few more times before this show is over, is that there is a significant difference in, in music and where things are in the movie, uh, the musical selections that were used. Most of them are typical you know, rock and roll kind of songs, pop songs-ish, you know, that kind of stuff. Tears for Fears is used in here, the church. Uh, but uh, they uh, they changed the songs the from the th- theatrical version of the movie to the director's cut. They, they changed a lot of the music in, in different scenes. There's one scene in particular, and I'll talk about that later when we get to it. But they changed, you know, one of my favorite songs, uh, an amazing song called Under the Milky Way, Tonight by the church is is a scene towards the end of the movie and they pulled that for the director's cut and put a different song in there and when they when i watched the director's cut i was like what the you know and and you know the director's cut they do have additional footage and the movie might be a little more eh, a little bit more clear a little easier to follow but I, i i don't know there's something about the theatrical version that i like maybe even a little bit better maybe it's because that's the one i saw first I don't know, and there's a comment, and I don't know if I recorded this one or not, uh, but uh, there was a comment when I listened to some of the commentary between Richard Kelly and Kevin Smith, their their commentary while they were watching the movie, the director's cut, and Richard Kelly had an interesting thing to say. He, he said that basically he considers both versions of the movie equally, you know, good or equally important and not like the director's cut is the definitive, you know, version or anything like that. He thinks there's there's good in both and he's not trying to you say, oh, you should only watch the director's cut. And I, I also found that to be the case. And uh, so it, it's, it's good if you watch both of these. Personally, for me, I think it kind of favored the, the original version. I don't, and, and I think maybe that's because I kind of understand the story now. And maybe the additional footage doesn't seem all that important or needed for me. But it's hard to get past that initial impression that you have of a movie, too, a little when they change it. It isn't just like, okay, here's a new scene, here's a new scene. When you start changing things like music and altering scenes a little bit, too, uh, and dialogue, well, not really dialogue, I guess, but the changes that were made are a little bit more than just here's an additional scene and here's an additional scene, especially when music. Music, for me in a movie is very important so and it really sets the mood and and i and i think some of the changes they did with that just just kind of kind of distracted me a little bit i guess from what i knew before so here is our uh, next clip ling ling finds a wallet on the ground filled with money she takes the wallet to the address on the driver's license but keeps the money inside the wallet <laughs> i'm 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 sorry Ms. i don't get this just place an X on the lifeline in the appropriate place. No, I mean, I, I know what to do. I just, I don't get this. You can't just lump things into two categories. Things aren't that simple. The lifeline is divided that way. Well, life isn't that simple. I mean, y- who cares if Ling Ling returns the wallet and keeps the money? It has nothing to do with either fear or love. Fear and love are the deepest of human emotions. Okay, but you're not listening to me. There are other things that need to be taken into account here, like the whole spectrum of human emotion. You can't just lump everything into these two categories and then just deny everything else. If you don't complete the assignment, you'll get a zero for the day. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's one of uh, Donnie's teachers there, Miss Farmer. Uh, Kitty Farmer is her name in the movie. She is the one that doesn't like the book uh, that Drew Barrymore's character is teaching, that Karen Pomeroy is teaching in the movie. And she is trying to educate the students on this concept from this guy uh, that's named Jim Cunningham. He's kind of like this self-help guru kind of guy in the movie. He's played by Patrick Swayze, and uh, it was good to see Patrick Swayze. You know, he's passed he's passed on now, but uh, it was good to see him in this movie. I think he does a really good job, especially since the movie uh, portrays him in not the best light, let's just say. His character is a little, a little sleazy and, and not that uh, good of a guy, really. And Patrick Swayze, for the most part, in most of his films, has always played sort of a, a, a good guy hero type role, and and here he, he plays kind of a slime ball, frankly, although you don't know that at least at first. But I think Donnie Darko certainly uh, suspects it of him and doesn't trust him and that kind of stuff. But that scene that you heard there is there's this line on a chalkboard, and the teacher is trying to to tell uh, Donnie and the rest of the class that. You know, Jim Cunningham says that you can everything is on this line of fear and love. That every that's the way your 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 brain works and your emotions and everything. And, and Donnie is making the very good point, I think, that it isn't as simple. He it, it, it's not as simple as black and white and 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 right and wrong in in the decisions and things that we go through in life. And the teacher just is not like she's like. No, no, just do the assignment. Put the little, you know, X on the line somewhere between fear and love. And Donnie just, he can't bring himself to do it. And, and I, I really like his character. He's kind of a rebel, you know, Donnie Darko. And, and he kind of, uh, I, I just feel like, you know, maybe not so much in, in these days, but back in the day, Rico was kind of a little bit like that on, at times too. So I, I can really identify, and I think that's one of the things that makes me really love this movie so much, is I can really identify with the main character quite a bit and, and his sort of feeling of being an outsider and all that. And and you guys probably who are listening to this podcast are still are starting to maybe wonder, and especially if you've not seen this movie, well, what the heck is Donnie Darko really about and, and why is it like science fiction? Well, we're going to be getting into that uh, pretty quickly, right about, um, I think, in the next clip. Touch your monotone. Donnie. Um... I know this is gonna sound kind of weird, but uh, do you do you know anything about uh, time travel? Ah, wormhole with an Einstein-Rosen bridge, which is theoretically a wormhole in space controlled by man. So, according to Hawking, a wormhole may be able to provide a shortcut jumping between two distant regions of space-time. So in order to travel back in time, you have to have a big spaceship or something that can travel faster than the speed of light. Theoretically. And be able to find one of these wormholes. The basic principles of time travel are there. You've got your vessel and your portal, and your vessel can be just about anything, most likely a spacecraft. Like a DeLorean. Metal craft of any kind. You know, I love that movie, the way they shot it. It's so, um, like futuristic, you know? Listen, um, don't tell anybody that I gave you this. The woman who wrote this used to teach here. She was a nun many years before that, but uh, then overnight she just, uh, she became this entirely different person. She uh, up and left the church, she wrote this book. She started teaching science right here at Middlesex. 
Philosophy of Time Travel. Roberta Sparrow? That's right. <laughs> Come on. Roberta Sparrow. That scene is uh, is a good one, and, and it starts to get Donnie on this course and talking about time travel and maybe alternate dimensions and things like that. And he's talking to uh, Noah Wiley's character, Noah Wiley, you know, from ER. He plays another teacher, a professor, Professor Mont Monotoff, Monotoff at uh, Donnie's school. And Donnie goes to him in a few in a few different scenes throughout the movie, trying to ask him about the, you know time travel because Donnie's hearing you know things from Frank and stuff that he's sensing that you know that something is happening in the world something is going to change and I also wanted to bring up the point uh, sometime during this cast that this movie sort of has a flash forward kind of element to it you know that television show that people saw their future Donnie starts to sort of suspect that some of the things that he's been seeing and dealing with is is are, are maybe related to time travel and his future, and that can he change that and, and and you know should he change it that kind of stuff. So so now we're getting into sort of the sci-fi aspects of the film. Donnie's aggressive behavior, his increased detachment from reality, seemed to stem from his inability to cope with the forces in the world that he perceives to be threatening. Has he ever told you about his friend Frank? Frank? Yes, the giant bunny rabbit. The what? don't recall him ever having mentioned a rabbit. Donnie is experiencing what is commonly called a daylight hallucination. This is a common occurrence among paranoid schizophrenics. What can we do? I would like to um, do more hypnotherapy and increase his medication. That scene was the, the scene with um, uh, the therapist talking to Donnie's parents. Oh, Mary McDonald is in this movie as well. She plays Donnie's mother, you know, Mary from uh, Battlestar Galactica, which she does a great job in this movie, a really tough role, and, and she, she's such a great actress. And uh, but she plays Donnie's mother, and they're there talking to the therapist about Donnie and, and his issues and problems. Well, each vessel travels along a vector uh, through space time along its center of gravity, like a spear. I beg your pardon, like, like a spear that, that uh, comes out of your chest. Um, sure, yeah. And in order for the vessel to travel through time, it's got to find a porthole, or in this case, a wormhole, or... Well, could these portals, um... Could these portals just appear, uh, anywhere, anytime? I think that's highly unlikely. No, I think what you're talking about is, um, an act of God. Well, if God controls time, then all time's predecided. I'm not following you. 
Like every living thing follows along set path. And if you could see your path or channel, then you could see into the future, right? Like, uh, that was a form of time travel. Well, you're, you're contradicting yourself, Donnie. If we were able to see our destinies manifest themselves visually, then we would be given a choice to betray our chosen destinies. And the mere fact that this, this choice exists would make all preformed destiny uh, come to an end. Not if you travel within God's channel. Yeah, and there is another part of the movie there with um, Donnie talking to uh, Professor Mont- Monotov and uh, about time travel again, and then they get into this um, bringing in God and, and a little bit of religion into the movie, and, and um, the professor is not too—he's he's scared to talk about that, you know. He's seen uh, Karen, his uh, who is actually his sort of girlfriend of Noah Wiley's character, Drew Barrymore, and Noah Wiley are kind of boyfriend-girlfriend in the movie. There's a quick little scene you see of them a few times. Well, actually, most of the time you're seeing at certain functions throughout the movie, they're together, and there's a scene showing them in bed, I think, at one point. But anyway, uh, Noah Wiley's character, the professor, doesn't want to talk about this because he's afraid of losing his job. He's seen Karen, the other teacher, a teacher of English, who's teaching these books that are bad for these kids. You know, got to watch out for those bad books. And he's he's afraid of talking about religion related to things with Donnie and, uh, and and losing his job. So Donnie has to sort of leave and go off on his own and try to solve the whole situation of what's going on with him and what he's thinking. Uh, you know, after he's read this book by Roberta Sparrow, who's this eccentric kind of crazy old lady that lives down in the uh, end, you know, one of the end streets near him, uh, who's uh, who's always looking in her mailbox for mail. And there are so many little things and symbols that start to come together of this movie once you've seen it a few times. It kind of reminds me a little bit of this movie called Memento from uh, several years ago, too, as well. So it's a movie that you could watch a few, you know, many, many times. Or like The Sixth Sense is another good example of that. And you pick up on these little clues. But anyway, she, he, you know, Donnie's been reading this book that Roberta Sparrow wrote. Uh, who is now, you know, she used to be a teacher and very, you know, seemed, seemed to be very intelligent and wrote this very crazy and but interesting book on time travel. But now she's just this crazy lady that, that lives down, uh, you know, down the street away from him and uh, who's always looking in her mailbox, expecting some letter that's never there and everything like that. And Donnie needs kind of her help, too, in trying to solve all this. What is going to happen? Ricky's going to kill. Who is he going to kill? Who is he going to kill, Donnie? I can see you right now! This guy's getting open up. If the sky were to suddenly open up, there would be no law. There would be no rule. There would only be you and your memories. The choices you've made. 
If this world were to end, there would only be you and him and no one else. <laughs> Yeah, and that was the scene with the uh, last little bit of therapy that Donnie gets, and he's he's very, you know, worked up, very emotionally. You know, things are all sort of coming to a head at that point in the movie, and he doesn't really know what to do, what it all means. It, it's, you know, he sees these things, Frank's telling him these things, Frank's saying the world's going to end, you got to do something about it. Donnie references earlier when he's talking to, you know, his girlfriend about... You know, she says something like, Donnie Darko, what kind of name is that? You sounds like a superhero. And he says, like, he, he makes this offhand comment about, well, why, you know, maybe I am a superhero, something like that, he says. And that's kind of a little bit of a, you know, a precursor to what this is about. And Donnie is starting to learn maybe things aren't what they should be, things aren't what they seem to be, and maybe he is the one that needs to, to do something about it. Dear Roberta Spiro, I've reached the end of your book and there's so many things that I need to ask you. Sometimes I'm afraid of what you might tell me. Sometimes I'm afraid that you'll tell me that this is not a work of fiction. I can only hope that the answers will come to me in my sleep. I hope that when the world comes to an end, I can breathe a sigh of relief because there will be so much to look forward to. <laughs> well, now we're coming kind of towards the end of the film. That clip there that you heard is Donnie is finally he's writing a letter to roberta sparrow you know she keeps going out to her mailbox throughout the movie looking for a letter well donnie writes her a letter and you hear a little bit of that in that scene and you know he's trying to figure out again what what all this means what he needs to do what what's you know what's he what's going on and and the movie starts to come crashing down or not sorry not that's not the right way to put it Donnie's world starts to come apart and starts to come crashing down. Um, his, okay, this one last little spoiler alert, because we're going to get into, you know, what this is all about or a little bit. Um, the uh, Towards the end of the movie, there, there's this scene where they go down to, uh, towards Roberta Sparrow's is, uh, I think, where they're headed. Donnie's there, Gretchen, his girlfriend, and they get jumped by these two bad kids, these guys that have been bugging her throughout the uh, movie. Uh, one of them actually is played by Seth Rogen, and this was his first feature film, uh, so that's an interesting thing there. He'd done TV and Freaks and Geeks and stuff, but he's kind of a bad guy in this movie, and him and this other guy uh, grab Gretchen, grab Donnie, uh, knock him around a little bit, and, and Gretchen gets, gets knocked down, and she gets hit by a car. And Donnie's there, and then those guys run off, and Gretchen's basically killed. She's dead, and she's laying on the ground, and and then these guys that are in the car, this is Halloween. This is all taking place. Sorry, I should have said that. There's a big, they have a party at Donnie's house, him, him and his sister, his parents are away, 
So Halloween is going on. People are in costumes and stuff like that. Well, these goofballs in this car that drive down, and when Gretchen, you know, is knocked down on the ground, and I think she's knocked out, they they hit her and and kill her. Well, the car pulls off to the side, and then what pops out of the car? But the guy who's driving it is a guy named Frank, uh, who is this character, this imaginary bunny thing that Donnie's been seeing throughout the movie. Uh, and he's got this costume on that looks like the rabbit and everything that Donnie's been seeing throughout the whole movie. And so Donnie's like freaked out. He sees this girl that he loves on the ground dead. He had pulled and found a gun. I think it's from his parents' place is where he got it, if I remember. Yeah, he dug through somewhere a closet. Anyway, he has a gun with him, and he shoots Frank, shoots Frank in the eye even. And throughout the movie also you'll see that Frank's one of his eyes, I think it's his right eye, glows and and it acts strange and things like that. So this is sort of all precognition to what's going to happen. Frank's been seeing this rabbit thing. And he doesn't know whether he's sort of friend or foe or whatever. And then this guy in a costume that looks like Frank runs down the girl that he loves. And, and again, all of this is happening together. But the uh, I probably should have mentioned this way back at the very beginning. Early in the movie, what, what happens is, yeah, sorry about this, but it, it won't really matter that much because we're pulling all this together. Maybe I didn't want to mention it then because of this. One of the big things that happens in the early part of this movie, Donnie has this thing that he goes out and he kind of like sleepwalks. In the early part of the movie, Donnie's in his room in this house. They have this nice two-story house that they live in. And he, and he wakes up kind of in the middle of the night. He walks out of his house in his pajamas. He walks like, keeps walking, walks down to a golf course and sort of falls asleep there. Well, while he's gone and away from his room, a... Uh, a huge jet engine off of an aircraft falls onto their house, onto Donnie Darko's house, crashes into the bedroom where he sleeps each night, where he lives, and basically takes out that part of the house. But he's not hurt or killed because he sleepwalks away and wanders off to this golf course, and he comes back, and there's all this equipment and everything around his house, and his parents are relieved. Because I think at that point they don't even realize that Donnie maybe wasn't in the room at the time, but he uh, had this uh, predilection to kind of go off on these little sleepwalking events and stuff like that. So the uh, so he's not dead, but uh, Donnie, through what he's seeing throughout the movie, what Frank is warning him about, you know, the world is going to end, you know, and all and all of this, and what happens to his his girlfriend Gretchen. And these weird images that he sees and the clouds are getting weird. And he talks to his teacher about time travel and, and seeing events maybe that haven't happened or parallel universes. And, and what, what slowly comes out in this movie is there's a couple of possible ways you can view it. And, and you know, this is kind of the whole, the whole deal right now. And I have a couple, two clips to really still play for you. There's two possibilities here. One, one is what happens in the movie is Donnie's sleeping. And most of what you see throughout the rest of the movie where he meets Gretchen and all the stuff with Frank and everything like that is just Donnie there sleeping in his room dreaming about what might happen, you know, kind of uh, a waking dream, not a waking dream, but but, uh, a dream that he really remembers, sort of a lucid dream and, and that very vivid, very real. But the other real idea is that by getting up like he does and this engine falling 
the the idea that I have is that he has changed what really was supposed to happen in a way. There are two things, and it's just like any time you make a, a decision in your life, you know, Donnie walks off on this sleepwalking thing, the engine falls, he doesn't die. So because Donnie doesn't die, it sets into motion these other events that happen. He meets Gretchen, and Gretchen, because he knows uh, or she gets involved with Donnie, she eventually dies in a way because of it, okay? And Donnie sort of becomes, uh, he, he realizes and he figures out that he has a choice. And there's almost like this parallel or sort of tangent universe that's been created. The one that you've seen throughout most of the movie where he meets Gretchen, she dies, she's hit by a car and killed by Frank. And all the subtle warnings from the rabbit along the way are trying to clue him in about this situation. But what Donnie figures out is that there's sort of this portal maybe thing in this time travel situation that's opening up uh, in the sky sort of above him, some kind of a weird wormhole. It's never really, of course, thoroughly explained at all in the movie. And that's what makes it kind of cool and interesting to me. But what Donnie starts to realize towards the very, very end is that he has a choice. He can die. He can do and sort of set things the way they maybe should have been be there in his room when that jet engine falls out of the sky, slams in, kills him. But by doing that, Gretchen won't meet him, she won't know him, and she won't die. And that is what really, to me, what this movie is all about. It's kind of a love story there and his sacrifice for that. And I'm going to play the next clip towards the end of the movie, and then I'll have one more about uh, to play after that, and we'll kind of wrap it up. by jet engine. What was his name? Donnie. Donnie Darko. Hmm. I feel bad for his family. Yeah. Did you know him? Yeah, that clip is uh, very much near the end, and it, it's very uh, great song. Gary Jules, It's a Mad World, is playing throughout these different scenes that you see happening in the movie, and it's sort of like the movie sort of is reset now. You're, you're bored, sort of back at the beginning, right when the jet engine thing happens and falls. And, and then Gretchen rides by in her bicycle. She, she pulls up. She asks this little boy across the street what's going on, 
and and he says, you know, he tells her Donnie Darko, this boy across the street died, this jet engine falls on him, and she just kind of like, you know, she says she didn't know him. She waves at, at the uh, the mom, across, Donnie's mom across the street, who's sitting there uh, leaning against a tree. Her father's very upset. Her sister or his sister, Donnie's parents, and little little sister and big sister are there, and everyone's there. And so you can see that basically Donnie has done. He is a superhero. He he saved his girl and sacrificed himself. And I want to play this last clip that I've got. This is from uh, some of the commentary track towards the end of the movie of the director's cut. And you'll hear Kevin Smith and Richard Kelly talking about uh, Donnie Darko and kind of their interpretation a little bit and and uh, towards um, the end of the movie. Because they weren't reality. They were just a dream. And this movie's putting the idea out there that... Uh... I mean, everyone goes back to dreams. Arguably, that um, that's where a lot of the mysteries exist, is in a sleep state, you know, in a sleeping mm-hmm. REM sleep, and people study that. Dream states, ultimately. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I think it goes back to the theory, was it a dream or was it a, a real place that they went? And I'm just trying to put together the science fiction uh, in a, an interesting way. But in the end, you know, he did save the girl. Yes, you know? totally. And it's all about love. That's really well. That's that to me is the simple, my my very simple take on this movie is just like wow, he gave up um, his life to save somebody else's life, yeah. and really it's more than somebody else. But for me, it just kind of focuses in on the girl because yeah. you know every story essentially comes down to guy and girl or guy and guy or girl and girl. But like that one meeting that one person that kind of you connect with and yeah. and um, it's it's really heroic and and kind of poignant and touching that. You know, he has this 28-day period, essentially, with her and then has to give it all up to save her life and chooses her life over his own. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, I was aware and putting the story together that I wanted there to be a sacrificial element mm-hmm. there. And there is, you know, Most like, messianic tales, which this definitely is, Yeah, you need the sacrificial element. Yeah, and I think that uh, there's, there's – you're going back to those archetypes, uh, those – gatekeeper type mm-hmm. characters like grandma death is mm-hmm. a gatekeeper and dr montoff with his physics book uh is a is a gatekeeper and uh... yeah so i i pretty much agree with those guys you know i mean richard kelly of course this is his film so he should know and, and kevin smith has a, has a pretty good take on it too but it's interesting and there's a you know some other great stuff on the two disc director's cut about this movie that you know the second disc is all extras and things and i wish i could play more stuff for you but um but that's Donnie Darko. I, I, I'm trying to sort of figure out a way to sort of sum the whole thing up. I mean, it's it, it's a, it's a love story. It, it, it and it is also science fiction. Whether it was just a dream that Donnie had, whether there was sort of this, I I, I interpret it more that there was a sort of tangent parallel universe that was sort of created, and that Frank was warning him. And not only what you know the idea with that that Gretchen died, but. I think the more of what Frank was saying in the warning was that the whole universe could just sort of, or at least the earth or whatever could be destroyed and fall, fall apart. If this sort of little side universe, this tangent universe was allowed to continue if Donnie stayed alive and everything. And in order to fix all that sort of almost save, not just, not just the girl, not just Gretchen, but maybe the whole world, Donnie sort of had to sacrifice himself because of that for, for, uh, you know, to fix everything. And I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time. I'm, this is certainly not the kind of movie for everyone. I could see a lot of people out there may not really enjoy it. 
uh, at all or, or whatever. Everyone, and, and that's the great thing, you know, everyone can have their own view and opinion, but I, I, I highly urge, I think the people that listen to Treks and Sci-Fi and you guys that listen in this audience are pretty intelligent, pretty savvy people, and I, I think you'd really enjoy this if you've never seen this movie. And that's, you know, again, and I've said it many times, one of the things that I like to do here from time to time is bring uh, bring to light some things that, that you may not have uh, had a chance to take a look at yet, various movies or TV shows. So I, I think it'd be worth your two hours or so of time to, to check this out. And uh, uh, what else did I want to say? Oh, a couple things. One other thing that I wanted a little related to this is, is Richard Kelly also made another movie uh, just a few years ago called... Um, maybe two or three now, called Southland Tales, which is another very bizarre movie. The Rock is in it, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Sean Michael Scott, I think is his name. He's He was in a lot of those uh, uh, teen comedy movies. Uh, what else? But Southland Tales is also, if you, if you like Donnie Darko, I always tell people, if you like Donnie Darko, go also watch Southland Tales. Again, it's it's definitely not a movie for everyone. It makes you kind of think and is a little strange and out there. But, uh, you know, every movie was was very simple and easy to figure out. I, I wouldn't keep watching them. And that's that's one of the great things about film. So I'm going to take a short break, grab some a little tea, and, and come back and finish up the show. Hey, folks, when you get a chance, go over to Chuck's check out treksinsci-fi.com uh, and there are some links there on the main page to uh, both some special discount codes you can use for GoDaddy and Zazzle.com. GoDaddy, of course, is the web domain and hosting service that does some great stuff at a, at a very low cost and you can get on the web, have your own little website real quick and easy with them. They're fantastic to work with. I've used them for a lot of years and never had an issue. So Check out GoDaddy.com when you get a minute. And Zazzle.com also is a great place to uh, make your own personalized T-shirts and mugs, cop, you know, mouse pads, lots of little things, stickers, buttons, I think, all kinds of fun stuff like that. You can make your own little graphics and, and use a, you know, an image that you want, whatever you'd like. So check out GoDaddy.com and Zazzle.com, but make sure to check out the codes that you can use over at treksinsci-fi.com first to make um, those a little less costly for you. Hi, this is Mark Christopher Lawrence, also known as Big Mike on NBC's Chuck. Uh, just wanted to give a big shout out to the sci-fi listeners. Holla at me. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed this very kind of different uh, edition and episode and podcast of Treks and Sci-Fi. Uh, Donnie Darko, uh, really, it's just impossible to talk about. I don't know even how, how I managed to talk, what I did about it. I, I guess it's not really impossible. It, it's it's difficult when I'm just sitting here talking about it this way. It would be great to talk, and, and maybe it would have been even better to have a co-host for this one who who enjoys the movie and has seen it like I have, and, and we could have bantered back and forth about it. But, you know, that just didn't work out for this one. Uh, again, next weekend, you're going to have a guest uh, host, uh, Jeff, and, and I know you guys are going to enjoy it, his look at that Irwin Allen series from the 60s, The Time Tunnel. I'll be back in two weeks, probably with a Skype call, and if you are interested in participating with that, just check out uh, the forums over at treksandsci-fi.com. I always post up the information there about the Skype calls, and uh, you, if you aren't a member there, you can always email me if you'd like to join in at treksf at gmail.com. I think that's about it, everyone. Oh, one last thing. In about a week, it'll be the sort of one-year anniversary of 
the release of Star Trek uh, from last year that sort of reinvigorated the franchise. Uh, really a movie that I think a lot of people enjoyed, even non-Trek fans. And I think I'm going to have a, have to watch it again uh, either later this week or early next week and uh, sort of uh, enjoy that uh, Abrams, uh, you know, all the all the lights flashing in your eyes, right? <laughs> anyway, everyone, thanks for downloading and listening. Always appreciate it. If you feel like a donation, uh, sending in something for the podcast, the link's on the main website and all that good stuff. So take care, folks. I'll talk to you again in about two weeks, uh, and you can listen to Jeff and the Time Tunnel next week. Bye-bye. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty sound of their breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down Curtain down on right. I got no time for private consultation under the Milky Way tonight. Wish I knew what you were looking for. Might have known what. sci-fi.com Join the forums at treksinsci-fi.com slash forum Dr. Beverly Crusher I would appreciate an explanation Yes, you should Do you have a comment, a suggestion, or a question? Email Rico today at treksf at gmail.com That's treksf at gmail.com what do you think that tells me about your character? Trex in Sci-Fi, the weekly podcast with geeky goodness and entertainment news. Copyright 2010.
All rights reserved. I can assure you that I'm not given to casual relationships. Yes, you should. Goodbye.